you in the world now, Max? <laughs> I'm in Poland. I'm in Poland. Um, been based here for a little while. Got hitched a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And now Locked we're it here down. crashing with my parents like a, a, a married couple should. Newlyweds. <laughs> exactly. But you have been keeping up with uh, your lovely bird podcasts and you did a one recently with Nicole. Yeah, I did one with Nicole Jackson and it was actually over Skype. So Nicole at the time was in Portland, Oregon, not Poland, as people tend to think when I say Portland with my accent. <laughs> and yeah, we, we got in touch to interview her about this new endeavor she's embarking on, which is really interesting. But Nicole and I actually kind of go back to uh, New York days a few years ago. So it was really nice catching up with her and seeing where she's at now and, you know, excited to see what lays ahead for her. It was an interesting conversation. I, there were sort of two major things that I found interesting. One is that she talks a lot about, um, you know, she had an idea for a, a website or a company that she's had for many, many years. And uh, she finally had the opportunity to start it, but it was only after she had her baby. And so the guilt that comes with that and wanting to do your own thing. And it was for anyone going through something similar and trying to start something of your own. I think it's a really interesting listen. Yeah, totally. Also, it was interesting that she had attempted it before and felt like the product that they were producing wasn't what she wanted it to be and kind of set it aside and it kind of kept nagging away at her. And then years later, she came back to it and did it again. So it was cool to hear that she didn't just give up on it. And it was like, it, it just was sort of like a right place at the right time thing. But I also find, I find that comforting in a way whenever I hear about people doing something but it's taking a really long time but they get there and they're still working on it and I think there's when you're trying to start something often a lot of guilt if you're not actively doing it all the time so it's mm -hmm. nice just to to hear about other people's journeys of getting there but the second super interesting part is there's a bit about OJ Simpson in here yeah it's pretty crazy it's a little bit off the beaten track of what we were talking about earlier but it started because um, Nicole and I and her husband and a few years ago were having dinner in Portland and it came up in conversation that she grew up with um, Sydney Simpson, OJ's daughter in LA and they were very good friends. They were best friends when they were kids. Um, so she talked a little bit about the fact that, you know, she was close to the family and when it all had happened, she was very young and just kind of being unaware of it. And it was sort of spurred by all the documentaries that are coming out about him. But anyway, it had always been on my mind since that conversation, just being like, how crazy is it that she, you know, was very um, intimate with the family and, and being very young at the time. So I asked her about her experience growing up with that, that event and coming to an understanding of how it had impacted not just American culture, but world culture. And what was her experience through that journey of like, here's something, this, this very personal tragedy that happened. And again, being very young, so not really understanding, you know, how, you know, it, it was affecting the world around her to growing up, learning more about it. And then, you know, kind of understanding, piecing it all together and being like, oh, wow, this is something way beyond 
her family and her experience. And, and it's just so crazy to live through something like that. Um, so she kind of talks about that, that experience at, when she was young, when it happened. And then later on in her college and years and after and ha- dealing with it still at that time. Yeah. It's a really interesting interview for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And actually with that one, she, there's a lot of, um, really nice advice around loss and she's dealt with a lot of loss in her life so just she she shares like some things that have helped her through that which i think is really helpful all right have a listen yeah okay so this is nicole jackson Thank you. Uh, I want to start by saying congrats on To Taste launching your new website. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. You launched last week. It's already been picked up by like Fastco Design and like it's blowing up on the internet. (laughs) I've obviously been trolling it because it's not only beautifully designed, it's a really interesting idea. So do you want to just talk very briefly about what Two Taste is specifically? And then I've got a few questions around how you kind of came up with the idea and all of that stuff. Yeah, sure. So to Taste is, um, it's, it's a modern day recipe box. So um, what it is, is it's a recipe site with lots of different dishes from restaurant chefs and cookbook authors, bakers, bloggers, a huge an eclectic community of people that are contributing recipes. And the point of it is that, you know, all of us home cooks make recipes from, from websites, from cookbooks, from memory, and we always tweak them based on what's in the kitchen, based on just what's in season, what's in my diet, what's, you know, an allergy, etc. And there's not really a place right now on the internet, well, there is now with today's, where there hasn't <laughs> been a place on the internet for us to log and save those tweaks that we make to those recipes. So that's where to taste comes in. It's, it's the way that our grandparents used to write notes in the margins of, of recipe cards and cookbooks back in the day. Um, and it's just the modern day version of that basically. And what's cool is that it's, it's something that like has always been happening. Like, you know, I, I was talking to someone last week about how none of us knew to like dry our meat before cooking it until Julia Child translated that basically from the French to English. And then all of us were like, oh, yeah, well, now you obviously do that. And it's sort of that endless riffing on like what you learn from other people really plays a big role um, in that, too. So, yeah, that's super interesting. It, like you said, it, it's something people will be doing all the time, like our grandparents did it. And when you first started talking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, it's like writing notes in a cookbook. But what's crazy is that it's, it's that tiny niche that it just doesn't exist. Like how at this day and age of all the apps and all the websites, you just found this little nugget that didn't <laughs> exist. Like how, how did that happen? It's super funny because I was making a recipe that is not like something I make all the time. I, I don't even know how it dawned on me to make this, but for dinner years ago, I decided to make shepherd's pie. Um, I wanted to make it a little lighter, like not as, you know, heavy, uh, mashed potatoes and all that stuff. And I wanted to make it a little bit healthier and a little spicier. And I just kind of wanted to put my own spin on it. So I had like four, three or four recipes up in different tabs. And I was, you know, pulling the filling from this one and the 
half mashed potato, half cauliflower from that one. And it was delicious. It was so good. And so I saved all the recipes to my bookmarks. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Now I know what I, what I want from each thing cut to like a month later. I was like, Oh, I'm going to make that shepherd's pie again. And I could not for the life of me remember what I had done. Like, did I do this? Did I do that? I couldn't find the recipes. I, I'm like a consummate bookmark saver. So there's just way too many in there. And so, um, I tried to just piece it together and I couldn't, and I, I couldn't figure it out. And so it really frustrated me that like, I can find, you know, suggestions on like how to use teff flour and millet and buckwheat, but I can't find a place to just log the way that I remade a recipe because you know, then once the shepherd's pie thing happened, I started talking to my friends who were much better cooks than, than I am. And I was like, do you guys do this? How do you do it? What do you do? Do you have any sites that you like? And it was actually staggering the way that people decided to to track their changes. Like one friend prints recipes out from the Internet and then like writes the margin in the margins and has a filing cabinet in her Brooklyn kitchen, which seems crazy to me because it's tiny <laughs> and she saves all her recipes that way. And so she was like, wait, yeah, I totally need this. And since then it's just been, you know, it's taken a long time to get to here. Um, but there's been like proof and proof and proof and proof without even really looking for it from friends who email me recipes. And then they say, except I did this, this, and this in the body of the email then when, when, what was that moment of like, oh, okay, you know what, I'm doing this. And so there were like seven of those, <laughs> there were a lot of those moments. The first was, um, I talked to my husband's business partner, Casey, who, uh, used to be a chef and is now a designer. And, um, I was like, what do you think about this? And his immediate response was, wait, that's brilliant. It's so simple. I want to do this. I want to design it with you. Like, let's, let's do this. And I was like, sweet. That sounds awesome. Um, but he and I were both super busy and had jobs and he has kids and I didn't have a kid at the time. And so we designed maybe like two pages and then just like overcomplicated it. And it took months and months and it just kind of fizzled out. Um, cut to, I had Finn, my son, um, we moved to Portland from New York and, I was freelancing and I was so over what I had been writing and so um, eager to just do this. Like this idea had stayed in the back of my head the whole time, no matter how much it had fizzled out. I always kind of was like, yeah, but that's what I need to be. I need to do that. And so um, once the freelance projects all ended, I was like, that's it. Like any time that I have to myself where I'm not just momming, is dedicated to like seeing if I can make this a real thing. And then it also kind of another sort of moment happened when I, I was reaching out to friends and former colleagues who were, who were developers um, just to ask for advice and be like, Hey, is this possible? What do you think about how do I even do this? And the support from them was so great. And so like immediate, like I had one developer who's pretty accomplished and pretty high up in the field was like, I'll build this for you for free if you'll make me a business partner because I just really want to be a part of this. And I was like, damn, okay. So like that kind of level of support, I was like, yeah, we're, I'm on to something. I feel like if, if this many people also want to use it, then 
that's a good sign. So yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Wow. Actually, yeah, you brought up your move from New York to Portland and, you know, having a baby um, just before you did that. And that's something I wanted to ask you about. So obviously um, our listeners don't know, but we've known each other for quite some time now. And I got to say, so one of the, my favorite things of parties at your place was waiting to see what you were going to bake because there was always <laughs> like a cake or there was cookies that were incredible there was always something going on so when <laughs> I found out you were doing this I was like oh yeah that totally makes sense because you're an amazing cook but so then you guys moved to Portland because your husband um his company is there he's a partner I think at, at an agency but and you had the baby yep. so um you know you're in a new city you're a new mom you know, you're kind of learning tons of stuff from scratch. Was it kind of, I guess I'm trying to ask, was it sort of like an outlet for you, the situation you were in, combined with knowing that you were over what you were doing before and this was like almost an opportunity to kind of, you had an excuse to step away from work because you had a baby, you're in a new place. So you're like, well, why not just do this thing that I've been thinking about all the time. Was that sort of the process or? Yes, absolutely. And it's funny because I had, um, before when I was, was I even, I don't even think I was pregnant at this point when we were still in New York, I was, uh, working at Ralph Lauren, which was my last, uh, job. That's the job that I left when I had my son and I had drinks or dinner with my former boss from Fodor's where I was a travel editor. And, um, and I said to her, I was like, you know, I think that we might move to Portland because of this opportunity that's coming up for John. And I was like, you know, I don't think there's going to be a better opportunity for me to step away from a full-time job and, and have the necessity of like double incomes because obviously Portland is more affordable than New York. And I was like, I think that's where I'm going to be able to really do this. And so it definitely was going into the move to Portland, like, okay, I'm not working full time. Um, I am momming full time. I was a stay at home mom for a long time when we first got to Portland. So it wasn't as immediate as I thought it might have been with the move. Um, but, but yes, definitely it was like, it's not a now or never, but a little bit now or never, you know, like a little bit of a, I have to, uh, I have to take this opportunity when we can afford me to take this risk. It really blew up when uh, Finn got into a daycare, which is a very surprisingly competitive <laughs> and like, it's like long wait lists and, and all that stuff. And so once that fell into place and it kind of happened around the same time that all my freelance stuff was ending it was another, you know, one of those moments of like, here's, this is a clear opportunity of like me having the time to, uh, to, to run with this. So, yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny because I think moving to a new city where it's not like we have family in Portland. And so it made sense from any, you know, we had been here for one long weekend before deciding to move here. Like it was really crazy. We did like, we barely know anyone here. We have no connection to Portland whatsoever. Um, so that was difficult. We moved here when Finn was six months. So I was still really in like the transition of becoming a mom. And then to kind of like take this on, it really has felt like a major transformative time, um, which I think also has fed into it too. So, yeah. Yeah, it's huge. I- I'm wondering the... Becoming a mom on its own, do you think that gave you the confidence to 
do this? A thousand percent. Yes. Yeah. Becoming a mom um, made my, I mean, like the confidence of being able to do the the difficult work of being a mom, especially in those first six months, like it it was a constant um, cycle of, I don't think I can do this. Oh, I just did it. Oh, I don't think I can do this, but I just did that. I don't think I can do that either, but I just did it. And so at some point it's, you start to prove to yourself, like, yeah, no, I got this, you know, and, and I can make these decisions and I can, and I can, you know, give him, I don't know, a bath when I have had like an hour and a half of sleep and I'm like not going to fall asleep when he's in the tub. Like, I don't know. You just come up with these crazy fears of like how you might screw it up. But, yeah. um, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing being able to do the, the work of being a mom. Yeah. So, so then when Finn went to daycare and you found yourself with that, the time and the opportunity to take this on, were you, was there a moment where you were like, oh, nah, fuck this. I'm just going to like watch TV. I can't like <laughs> face that. Or was it like scary or. There was not a moment of like, like I was really eager. Finn started daycare right before he turned two. So at that point I really was eager to, to like flex my brain muscles again in a way that was not like don't do that. Don't kill yourself on that thing. Don't climb on that. You know, I really was eager to get back into that like work mode. I I wasn't scared. I definitely went through moments of like, what am I doing? Am I doing this right? Like what's going to be the thing that, you know, besides the ability to tweak recipes, what's going to be the thing that helps really differentiate us? What's going to be the thing that helps us make sure, um, you know, the site is intuitive and, and designed beautifully, um, brought a lot of like self doubt up, but they're surprisingly, because I overthink, I'm like an Olympic overthinker. Um, there was not a lot of time where I was like, no, this isn't a good idea. I don't want to do it anymore. I, I really always felt like I have to do this in some way. And it was just figuring out like the right way to do it. Talking to you about this thing specifically and, um, having spoken to so many women who have that point of like, Oh, there was always this thing I wanted to do and now I'm doing it. You know, I've spent 10 years doing this other thing, but then it got me here. And it's, it's always, it's always a journey. I mean, I think you're pretty lucky if at the beginning of, you know, life, I guess you sort of know what you're going to do when you stick, you, you do it from university, you stick with it and it's all great. Um, but I think, you know, it's more common that people switch, they do other things, they're scared of doing new things and um, so I'm curious at this point right now, do you see this as just another thing you're taking on that you're just really into or is it like, oh, okay, I found my thing and I'm like going to make this work until it doesn't work anymore or I die, <laughs> basically. Yeah, I, it's, it's the latter. I, I at first was like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to make this thing and I'm going to see how it goes and then, you know, maybe I can or, or I believe that I could parlay this into, um, you know, a job or, or, you know, it's, it's good fodder for, for someone who wants to hire me or something like that. And then I actually, over the course of building it and learning so much and talking to so many people and, you know, doing all this outreach and really pouring a lot of, of effort into this, I've just, come to the point of like, no, I want this to be my thing. Like I want to build this out and I want to, you know, make money through to taste. And I want this to like be my company, um, and just do the best that I can with it. And, and that's 
if it turns into I need to parlay this into a job, then fine. But I would rather it be um, my thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really exciting. I mean, like, congrats to you to be at this point. And, you know, you're still very young. So there's like a lifetime ahead of you, which is awesome. With the stuff you were doing before, I know you were writing, you were working with Ralph Lauren. Were, were, was the feeling throughout that time, like a little bit like, where am I going with this? What am I doing? It was a little bit, but I fell into writing really haphazardly. It was not what I wanted to do originally. Uh, I wanted to be a film producer. Um, so I went to school for film production and I minored in entrepreneurship, but I graduated college in 2007 which is right before the economy collapsed. And so despite like a degree and internships and whatever, there was just not a single job to be, you know, an entry level producer um, in Hollywood. So I took over a fine arts blog uh, in L.A. that a friend of mine or actually I didn't start by taking it over. I I started writing for them um, for free just because I needed to do something. (laughs) And I loved it from the first article that I wrote. So I just ran with it. Like I didn't even think twice. I, I, the, so the guy who started the website, it was called fine arts LA decided he was moving out of town and wanted to sell the website. And so, um, I told him that I would buy the website for a dollar and he agreed that that was fine <laughs> just so that he could say, at least he sold it after putting so much like effort into it. <laughs> so I bought it from him for a dollar. Um, I redesigned it by myself, which is hilarious because I am not a designer at all and certainly was not back then. Um, and I just like tried to make it a thing that was kind of the sweet spot for me was like, okay, I really do enjoy writing. I, I, um, but the hustle was there too. So then once I started, I, I got a job at the Huffington post as an editor. And obviously that pays much better than like running some tiny fine arts and culture blog in Los Angeles. So once I became an editor, then it was kind of like, well, where do I go next? And what do I actually want to be writing about? And what do I actually want to be, you know, assigning stories about? And there was always that question. But, you know, to your point about it being a journey for everybody, I learned so much in in all those different jobs about what I what what I what my beat was, what I wanted to really write about and focus on, what people really responded to. And so as much as there was like this, what am I doing? What am I doing? Is this job random? Is that job random? I switched jobs so many times. Um, there was also a lot of climbing and learning and, and yeah. And it sounds like skills that, you know, you've brought into what you're doing today anyway. I mean, it's really not that far off what you've been doing, but you've added this passion of food and cooking as yeah. well. Yeah, which totally. Which is really interesting. Yeah. That's awesome. So what about like laying on top of all of that? you know, being a mother of a young child, Mm -hmm. how? (laughs) (laughs) So it is, it's funny because just in this past week since launching and kind of having very little time to reflect on, on the launch and you just, you know, kind of hit the ground running. Um, I have had this moment of like, of being able to step back and think, okay, all those times that I have felt guilty for, um, replying to emails on my phone while I'm home with Finn and it's just the two of us or all those times that I have felt guilty for picking up an extra day where he can go to daycare so that I can, you know, do more work or just have some time to watch TV and like zone out and just 
whatever. Um, all of those times of guilt, I realized this week have been pretty stupid to feel guilty for that because in the long run, I really am doing those things for myself and by extension for him. And so that's been kind of like a nice realization to have this week of like, give yourself a break. This is all good stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of work taking care of Finn being, he's, he's home with me two days a week. And so like, we're still responding to emails and taking calls and doing Google hangouts and stuff on those days is like gnarly. Um, but he's a good kid. I'm so lucky. Like he's pretty chill. So yeah, I don't know. You just, I've been making it work. Yeah. I think you said something really nice about that. Um, yeah, not feeling guilty or at least real coming to a point of realization where yeah, at the end of the day, you know, you're still living your life. You're obviously dedicated yeah. so much of it to your, your child, but yeah, you can't like completely just give in on yourself and your dreams and the things that you want to do with, with your life. Totally. Yeah. And it's, it's funny how, um, immediately that becomes like, Ooh, should I feel guilty for, you know, responding to this email or, Oh, should I feel guilty for this? Or, Oh, I do feel guilty for this. It's like, well, two years ago, I wouldn't have even thought twice, obviously about responding to an email in the middle of a Saturday or something like that. And so then you have this kid and you're just like, yeah, the, the, the divvying up of your time, um, is, is a weird one. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so you got something exciting coming up as well, is that you guys are moving to LA, Mm -hmm. which is your hometown. Yes. You've been away for a long time. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited back home after this, this time away has been eight years. It was six years in New York, two years we've been in Portland. Okay. So actually I I do want to ask you the question that we talked about earlier, um, before we started recording and it kind of ties back into you were living in LA, you grew up there, Mm -hmm. you had um, a lot of friends there, obviously. And something we spoke about a few years ago when we had dinner was that you had a relationship with Sydney Simpson, who's OJ Simpson's daughter. Mm -hmm. And you guys were obviously very young at the time where all that crazy stuff had happened. And the reason we were talking about it was because of the docu-series that came out, like all the stuff that's now coming out about OJ and what had happened. So I wanted to talk to you about later. So you were really young when it happened. You were about eight or something. And you guys were very good friends. So you kind of lived through whatever had happened at that time. But later on, like, do you remember the point in your life when you started realizing, you know, what an impact that that event had had on the America, the world, your family? Like, do you remember that transition point? Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting because it took a really long time to realize what uh, the impact was on other people, um, on like media, on, I mean, even race relations, uh, you know, on just in a, in a massive scale and also what impact it might've had on me personally, because, um, you're right. I was eight when, when the whole trial was happening and Sydney and I were really, really close friends. So, um, the night that it actually happened, I was, I was supposed to spend the night at her house, uh, that night. It was the night of our dance recital. And for a really, you know, at the time, obviously when I'm eight, uh, a really annoying, arbitrary reason, my mom was like, no, no sleepover tonight. Just come home. Like, you know, you'll see each other probably tomorrow. Um, 
And Sydney uh, said much later that her first phone call was to my mom being like, hey, I can't find my mom. Where is she? Do you know where my mom is? Um, which I'm not sure where that fits in in this sort of timeline of like when the police would have gotten there and when she would have called my mom. And I, I just I'm not quite sure how that fits. But that was something that she said to me many, many years later. And so it was, um, yeah, it was a really crazy thing, even when we were eight, because uh, we were in school together in what I think the third grade with um, uh, Chloe Kardashian. We were at this like tiny little Catholic school uh, in, in on the west side of Los Angeles. And Chloe Kardashian was in our class and then me and Sydney Simpson. And so all of a sudden there was just this like enormous confusion and scandal at school. And, um, my mom told me because she didn't know what to say. My mom told me that, um, Nicole had been in a car accident and that she died. And so I went to school the following day and I was like, Oh my God, Nicole was in a car accident. And, and, uh, Chloe Kardashian was like, uh, no, she was murdered and it was gruesome. And she like knew the whole story. And so I just, I didn't know what to think. And it just was this, you know, obviously massive upheaval. So, um, Sydney and her younger brother immediately went to live with, um, Nicole's parents down in Newport beach. So she just, she stopped going to school. They, um, you know, there was just a lot of separation. And so I went down to visit her a lot and yeah, I mean, it was very clear at the time that the impact, I didn't know what impact was, it was having at all. We, set up a bake sale and we made a killing and we were like, wow, everyone just really wanted cookies today. And my mom was like, yeah, that's why everyone's buying cookies from you. Sure. Um, but so then, you know, I growing up, I didn't have the capacity to look at any news articles or, um, pictures or, you know, it was really, really hard to talk about it. Um, pretty much until college. I, I didn't know, I, I didn't even know the truth of what had happened, frankly, until this, uh, that ESPN documentary came out. Um, because anytime I would start to like read an article about it, I just, I had to stop because her mom, Nicole was like, you know, a second mom to me. I, I loved her deeply. Um, so there was just not, and I mean, I also spent a lot of time with OJ and spent a lot of time at his house. And, you know, there was it just was too, too tough. I, I just like didn't dig in. Um, but understanding the impact uh, that it had, I started understanding it in college when I would talk about growing up in L.A. And, you know, somehow it would come up or it would be on the news or someone would randomly make a comment about it. And I started being like, well, how do you know that? And well, why would that like, why would you have known that, you know, intimate detail of this, of this whole scandal of this, you know, whole tragedy. And, um, then I ran into Sydney in college because I was at, um, Emerson in Boston and she went to, I think BC or BU and we ran into each other at a party. A friend of mine from Emerson grew up in Miami. And so after the trial, Sydney and her younger brother moved to Miami with their father when he was, um, acquitted. So, uh, they knew each other from high school. So she was at this party and we caught up with each other. And that's when she told me that my mom was the first person that she called, um, after, after it all had happened. And my friends on the way home from this party were like, 
kind of in shock and we were all talking about it. And so that's really was the point where I was like, Oh, like everyone knows everything about this. And this was a much bigger deal than I have ever realized. Um, and then a couple of years later, I started seeing a therapist to, you know, talk about, I had a, a pretty strained relationship with my father growing up. And so anyway, we were talking about that. And obviously this came up and he made this comment that I've never, like I, I've, I've never, ever forgotten, but mostly because I think it was pretty rude and, and like uncalled for. But at the time, it really made me reflect. He was like, oh, um, you know, your best friend's mother was killed and you weren't there for her. Like you just let her move to Newport Beach and then Miami and like you never talked to her again and you never called her. And, and you know, that's not very nice of you. And that you like, do you I, do you have this like guilt of being a bad friend? And I kind of was like, I was eight like, I didn't know what to do. You know, I didn't know, like, to be someone's pen pal. Like, I didn't know what had happened. I didn't even really know why she moved away. I didn't know. But it did kind of set me on this path of reflecting, like, what impact it had on me besides just being incredibly sad that my best friend moved away and that my, you know, this kind of second mother figure in my life had been killed. And, and to think that maybe it was her dad. And, and it just was like this kind of, thing that I stowed away underneath a couch and, and just like never wanted to think about it. Since then, I, you know, I've taken a lot of time to, you know, have, I, I have a different therapist now, one who's not quite so hard on me, I think. Um, and I've been able to kind of, yeah, realize the impact of that loss. And, uh, I've had a lot of loss actually in my life. And so I think just lumping it all together as like, you know, realizing that people don't actually just disappear and, and, um, and realizing the impact on me personally has taken just a really long time since it actually happened. Um, yeah. And now I'm, it's still incredibly sad, but I know all the detail in, in gory, gory, terrible, awful detail. Um, and it, yeah, watching that documentary made me cry. Every single episode made me cry for her just thinking, God, what a, fucking nightmare and, and, you know, piecing together all the stuff that I knew about their torrid relationship, uh, when I was a kid and knowing how, you know, difficult that was on her. And yeah. That's yeah. It's so wild. I mean, not only to just live through something like that anyway, somebody right. who's not famous, somebody, somebody's your friend's mom like something like that happened but then to have your entire life moving forward to be constantly given snippets of information right. or like that that never happens to anyone like I mean <laughs> very rarely do you keep kind of be confronted by it um yeah I think that's really wild and it's also that case specifically like people are so fascinated by it yeah it came at such a turning point in like race race relations and like all the crazy stuff that was like happening in the states and, and still is I mean yeah like I still can't fathom it even you talking about it I'm just like oh, I don't understand like how, what, <laughs> well and what it's funny that you said that like all the snippets coming out you know like any all the books that have been published, I mean, if I did it, first of all, I can't even talk about the fact that he published a book called If I Did It, but or wanted to, but did he actually publish it? No, I don't know. I forget. Anyway, um, the, the, the one that really was like a weird, weird snippet was when he went to jail for the whole memorabilia um, thing. 
my mom and a lot of the friends that we, you know, still have family friends that, that went through it all with us were like cheering and celebrating that he was going to jail for this, like, you know, secondary, inconsequential, stupid thing because it was like, it felt like some justice was being, you know, had. And, um, yeah, that was just such a weird thing that we were all just like, finally he was caught for something at least. And, and it's like, yeah, but that doesn't quite take care of it. You know, like that doesn't quite like, yeah, it just, it's, it's been interesting having, I mean, that, that scripted show, the documentary, all the various news articles over the years, like, yeah. Has it affected the way you see events happen in the media that, you know, aren't related to you at all, but do you, do, does it make you question other scandals or things that happen in a different way or not really? Um, you know, that's such an interesting question. I feel like not, I, I, I don't think that in particular does. I think, um, that in combination with a lot of other things that I've been aware of, of just growing up in Los Angeles does like, when when other scandals or tragedies or whatever break in the news, I I sort of like have this, I don't want to say cynical, but um, this like peek behind the curtain thing in my head of like, yeah, but who's actually writing that story? And who's the one responsible for this spin? And who's the one who is, um, you know, like, even my, my, uh, godmother is a hairstylist and she, she told me about the Brad and Angelina story before it broke in the news and how, you know, that was even being spun at the hair salon before it was being spun in the news. Like just being party to those like stories always makes me wonder like who's getting the upper hand, who's writing the history, who's, um, yeah, who's, who's breaking the story first, um, is, is always kind of on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also, it's, I don't know. I just find those things so sad. It's like someone, yeah, you're making money out of a story, but it's just like, so like people treat people in such horrible ways and you just, it's so hard to believe it. And then like, yeah, we, we all like gather around and like we can shit on Brad and Angelina because it's like some sort of sport, you know, right. just watching this thing. And at the end of the day that, you know, there, there are people's lives and children that are a part of this and it'll affect them for years and years to come. Totally. It's just uh, it makes me sad too. It does. It really makes me sad that like there's human beings behind all of it. And, you know, a lot of the time they're not treated with the, you know, privacy or respect or the care or the thoughtfulness that you'd want for yourself. Totally. Is there something that comes to mind um, in terms of loss that you've learned, like through therapy and through all these years that you think is something really important to pass on for anybody? You know, we're we're all going to deal with loss sometime or another. Yes, there's been so many moments. Um, I think there's two things that come to mind um, initially. The first is less about loss and more about um, the anticipation of, of loss or like the leading up to it. My stepfather, um, died of lung cancer and, but from diagnosis to the day that he died was about six weeks. It was really, really aggressive and, um, it was a big shock and it was, it was really difficult. Um, and, the super interesting thing that I've learned from that and that you can apply to so many things in life when you're going through something 
as as life literally life changing and and you know scary as that he would focus on and get really kind of anxious and and intense on totally inconsequential things like I remember he got really really upset about like changing a light bulb or something it was about a light bulb I forget if it was like the wrong one or he was wanted to change it right away before we left or something like that and I just remember being like why like we have bigger fish to fry here buddy you have lung cancer why are you like so focused on this light bulb and it was like I don't want to think about my lung cancer I want to I just want to control this light bulb And I, you know, I mean, there's been moments in my life where I go through something stressful and like, there's that one thing that you're just fixated on. And it's, it's a lesson to learn for yourself when you find yourself fixated on something that seems kind of small potatoes and also for other people to just recognize like, okay, it might not just be because you cut them off on the road or it might not be because, you know, you, whatever, are taking it too long to order at the coffee shop or something like that. It might be because they're dealing with something bigger that they, you know, maybe don't have any control over or things like that. The other thing uh, that came up recently was the first day that I sent Finn to daycare, I was having such a tough time. I mean, most moms go through this. You have such a tough time dropping them off at daycare and being separated from them for hours and, and, you know, not knowing what they're doing every second and all of that. And it was, it was lucky it fell on a therapy day. So I walked into therapy and I was just like, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if he's okay. But the biggest issue for me was um, I didn't want him to feel abandoned. And she was like, well, why do you think that he would feel abandoned? Why is that the thing that's kind of coming up for you? And it dawned on me that it was because my uh, three losses really in a row, the three big ones, I've had really a kind of a weird amount. I'm like, hey, that's enough. Um, But the three really big losses happened right in a row. So there was Nicole Simpson. uh, The following year was my stepfather. And the year after that was my nanny who was with me from when I was three months old until I was 10. Uh, She lived with us. I loved her intensely. I mean, she was like the best woman in the world. I loved her. Um, She died when I was on a sleepover at a friend's house. And so it kind of came up that, that, to me, those three deaths felt like people can just randomly disappear from your life. And so I had said to Finn when I dropped him off that morning, Ma, I, I will, I promise I will be back at the end of the day. I 100% promise I'll be back at the end of the day. And I just couldn't get past. I was like, well, what if I get a car accident today? And then I've lied to him. Well, what if I, you know, and she was just like, it's okay to promise him that you will be back because as far as you can control, you will be back. You know, like there's, there's a gulf like to everyone else or not everyone else, but like to, you know, like in reality, like let's bring it back down. Um, there's a gulf between, between people actually disappearing and, and, um, you know, you picking up your kid from daycare today, like later on in a couple of hours. Uh, so anyway, that was, I think the biggest, biggest lesson to me is just kind of remembering that people don't just randomly disappear. (laughs) That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I feel like this has been a therapy session. So I thank feel you. like that too, actually. <laughs> I'll Venmo you for this. Um, I'm very reasonable. Awesome. I'm on insurance. Or are you on insurance? <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> um, okay. So that's awesome. Like, thank you so much for sharing that yeah, um, yeah. personal stuff about you. So I want to kind of wrap it up. Two questions. One question is... 
the year ahead. You're at this exciting juncture. What what do you got hopes, plans? What do you, any goals that you want to achieve for the next year? Whether it's for to taste, personal, family, whatever it may be. Yeah, so it's a it's going to be a big year. It has been a big year. Um, as you said earlier, we're moving to LA. We are moving in about a month. Um, so I'm thrilled about that. Finn is at a preschool that is run by my old preschool teacher. So that's adorable. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to get us settled in LA. That's like the, to me, the biggest personal one, you know, I guess for the calendar year is like, let's get us settled in LA. Um, we have so many friends and so much family there that, you know, I'm just excited to be around those people and, uh, and get our routine going, get, you know, figure out what our, what our days look like, make sure Finn goes through this transition well and, and feels, you know, like it's not too crazy, not too much of an upheaval, all that kind of thing. Um, for to taste, I am all about building the community, growing the community, um, you know, getting the word out as much as possible and, uh, figuring out and learning what people really like and, and are not using so much on the site as we have it now. So we'll be riffing on, on, you know, what we've built and, and building it and, and growing, you know, a lot of the features that we just didn't launch with yet. Um, and also making money from to taste. We're going to start doing some, you know, small runs of like tote bags and merchandise and, and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, so just, just getting that really rolling. Uh, that's, yeah, I think we're going to get a dog too. Oh no. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So not a lot happening. Cool. So I'm pretty bored. I'm very, very yeah. bored. <laughs> so last question. Yeah. What are you doing right after this? Right after this, I am going to go to the grocery store and I am going to buy so much of three different types of cheese. I'm going to buy ricotta. I'm buying cream cheese and I'm buying goat cheese because today I'm recipe testing a three cheese, no bake cheesecake for oh our upcoming so newsletter. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. that's it. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. This was awesome.